Hello, hello, and welcome to The Mental Matchup, a podcast where we hope to shed light on one of the hardest competitions an athlete will ever face, the matchup against their own mind. My name is Kat, and before we dive into the episode, I just want to take a quick moment and say how grateful I am for every single person um, listening to this podcast or who's gone and read some of the stories from our amazing guests and guest writers on TheMentalMatchup.com. I think this community that we are building is beyond what I could have ever imagined when we started our podcast over, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, so thank you to everyone who tunes in weekly or is just tuning in one episode. You are all important and I am so grateful for you. With that, today's episode, we are talking with Nicolette Canada. Nicolette is currently a sophomore soccer player at Manhattan College in New York City. Throughout this episode, Nicolette speaks on her experiences growing up as an athlete, dealing with the pressures of perfectionism and living with an eating disorder. She unpacks her own journey and also touches on the importance of supporting and understanding triggers for those who may be going through similar experiences. We talk all about the pressures that we can put on ourselves, the stigma surrounding food and athletes, and how to properly fuel your body. Nicolette is incredibly candid and open throughout the entire episode, And if you have some time, don't forget to check out her article titled Regaining Life on the Men's Matchup website under stories. With that, let's get right into it. I'm really excited about today's episode and I have Nicolette right here, right now, on the line, ready to record. So with that, Nicolette, can you give us a little bit of background as to who you are, what you do, and where you are? Hi, um, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, My name is Nicolette. I go to school at Manhattan College. I'm playing Division I soccer here. Um, I'm really excited to get into this. Um, I'm very outgoing. I like to meet new people. Um, I've always had a thing for kind of putting my whole self out there for others just to like be a helping hand. I have a very strong urge to like fix everything around me for some reason and you'll hear a lot more about that with me in this episode but I'm really excited. I'm really happy. I'm really thankful to be here and have this opportunity so thank you again. Yeah, for anyone listening, um, Nicolette actually has a piece on the mental matchup stories if you want to go read that. But since we have you, I kind of want to get right into it. So what was it like growing up and where did you grow up and what exactly, what kind of role did sports play in your life? So I grew up on Long Island. I'm from New Park, Nassau County. Um, I've been playing soccer since I was little. I played for my club team, the New York Park Wildcats. My dad was my coach for a really long time. Um, my dad and my grandpa played soccer. Um, I was kind of chosen for me that I was going to play, but it just like helped that I loved the sport like completely. I always wanted to ask a million and one questions, get better in any way I could, even at like such a young age. And it became my life really quickly. Um, it became my happiness and basically created me as a person on and off the field. I 100% believe that. And I'm so thankful for 
the sport in that sense. It's given me leadership skills. It's given me some of my closest friends and I really wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, you learn a lot of things on the field that you don't think would correlate into real life, but I really do owe the sport and growing up in that kind of competitive environment to who I am as a person today. And even now being older and playing at like a higher level, I sometimes like to channel into that little girl that was sitting on the grass, like looking at the butterflies. I know you could probably see it right now while I say that, but it was true. It was so much fun. And then it started becoming um, a job once you get older and things become a little bit more serious and there's beauty in that too, but it also can be the downfall of a lot of people. And I saw a lot of things go wrong for some teammates of mine and a lot of great things happen to other teammates. So it really is a beautiful thing being involved in like organized sports like that. And I owe soccer my everything really. It's shaped me to who I am today. What, what, if any, were there conversations surrounding kind of mental health, like as you were growing up before you kind of got to college, got to the next level, like, were there any conversations happening and were you aware at all of the mental aspect, like the mental health aspect of sports? Um, I really wasn't at all. Honestly, I think it was just supposed to be fun. People really didn't understand how something that was in theory optional, right? That kids signed up for every year, how it could affect them in this different level. And it really wasn't talked about at all. And I would have friends of mine younger, like when we were younger, start crying at games over a mistake and I really didn't understand it. And then I was very much like, I just want to go kick the ball and score a goal, right? And I started seeing how pressure became at the like came to the forefront. It wasn't so much I want to go out and have fun and play this game that I love. It was I need to go out and perform. And it has happened to more athletes than not. And then it drives them into either quitting the sport or trying to hide away what they're feeling because we were told that we're supposed to be relentless. We are supposed to be extremely driven. And there wasn't a conversation about the player and the person. It was more like, you need to be this player who does this perfectly at all times, because this is what we need to do to win. And it really wasn't a conversation at all. Um, growing up and before I came here and I also think that contributed like that was very important during COVID and no one knew what to do everybody was so used to being with the team being with their coaches hearing what they were doing right and wrong and then for all of it to stop and had everybody kind of guessing it led to a lot of issues it's where a ton of my issues kind of came like really really visible and it just should have been a topic of conversation on those Zoom calls we had as like a team instead of like home workouts kind of thing. We have to kind of know when to separate the player and the person. 
when it comes to things like that. Yeah. So I take it like these weren't necessarily conversations that you were having, whether it be at the dinner table or like in health class in high school. Um, This was kind of a new experience, like a new battleground for you when you got to like, you know, play division one soccer and you stepped on campus. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't anyone's fault for not bringing conversations up like this. Uh, for me personally, when I became very anxious, when a lot of my eating disorder habits began, it was at home by myself during quarantine, guessing what I need to do for myself because I had no idea how to stay fit. I went into it all like wanting to come out a great player and it was all for my sport. And I ended up coming out of it, like taking three steps back and completely doing a 180 of like what my intention was because I was so sure that I needed to be skinny, to be fast, to be good at my sport, to get better. I needed to eat less. Somehow it all correlated to me and I didn't understand it. And all I had was my phone and scrolling through social media. And I saw these girls doing what I eat in a day, TikToks of 1,200 calories and it was normal. And I never had of course, my parents were amazing with them. We never had junk food in the house. I mean, my parents were amazing with that. They wanted us to have our bodies to only take in nutrients and things that were good for us, but I don't blame them at all. They were, they helped me come out of everything that I went through, but no one thought to have that conversation with an athlete who looked fine on the outside and was this bright person that I am now but then things started to change because of things that were going on mentally and then that's where conversations started to happen it took like the plunge going so downhill to have to be like picked back up because people saw it get so bad and it wasn't prevented kind of thing Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, I feel like modern day medicine, it's not preventative. It's, you know, as soon as you, you need something. Yeah. Surgically. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, um, okay. So walk me through like what kind of life was like pre-quarantine, what soccer was like and how you even knew you wanted to play at the division one level. So since I was little, I told my dad, from a very young age, I was going to play soccer in college. It was going to happen no matter what. And that was my focus. Um, Sophomore year in high school, I committed to Manhattan where where I am now. And I was on a high, like I was in the best shape. I was performing well. Soccer was the most fun it's ever been. And I knew I had a plan. I knew I had a home. Like I was going to play division one and all my dreams, prayers, answers have been answered. And I was so excited for it, but I wanted to go into it being the best version of myself that I could be. So when quarantine happened, it was about um, a year and a half after I had committed middle of my junior year and everything stopped. 
this plan that I had for myself, I was going to go to practices three times a week, play my two games in, in the weekend. And I was going to be this great athlete and amazing freshman from the start at my, at my college. And all I could think about was training every day. How do I get better? What do I have to do? And I'm going to do it. I've been relentless since I was little, anything I wanted. Once my mind was set on it, I was going to get it. And I had no doubt about that. Quarantine happened and practices stopped. We had Zoom calls with my coach and my team, and we would do workouts together. And I never thought I was doing enough. I was like, this isn't enough. I'm not used to this. I would wear my Apple Watch, which I could get, really get into about how the fitness, the move ring, I live by that. I had my move ring set on a thousand during quarantine. I was going on walks to then go on my on my Zoom call with my team to do a workout with them. And then I would go for a run and then I would go for another walk with my dog and any excuse to be moving, to be burning calories so that I could calculate burning with eating and make sure everything canceled out. I was so scared of coming out of it being heavier or gaining weight. And my whole thought process, my brain started to get so jumbled and I fell into a trance and every single day went like that. And I didn't think anything was wrong with it. I was losing weight. I started seeing the muscles on my legs. I thought I was doing everything right. I could run for miles without being tired. And I thought it was all great until I got back to soccer, to actual practices with my team. And people started asking questions and people were like, is everything okay? Like, you look so different. But then there were some people who were like, oh my God, you look great. What are you doing? Like, look at you, you lost so much weight. And I was at this, like, hearing all these things from one end and all these things from another, I thought, okay, well, is this good or bad? But I started feeding on, on the good. I took it as these people think I look great. I have to continue doing this. And it just became so easy because once I'm in a habit and a structured plan, I don't break it. Like I said, I am relentless and that was what was working for me. And that's what I thought was good for me. And that's just what I kept on doing until I got back to soccer and got pushed around like I was a twig, which was never something that happened to me. And, you know, slowly started realizing that something had to change, but that's kind of the shortened timeline of all that. Yeah. I definitely think it's a lot to unpack. I want to talk about kind of touching on like your, right? Like your end goal from, from what you just said, like to me, it sounds like your end goal is like, you didn't want to fall behind in soccer Mm -hmm. and you were worried that if you were going to stay in quarantine and, you know, like for lack of a better term, completely change your routine from being very active schoolwork, everything like kind of set up in a way where you're set up to succeed to not getting out of the house much eating. And you didn't want that to impact your performance on the field. And in turn, like what ended up happening was it was almost like your fear of 
not performing, which correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like it wasn't necessarily the running that you were worried about. It was more so like the weight gain and not muscle gain. You were just more so worried about like gaining weight. And in order to do that, you totally went. It definitely took a turn. Yeah. Like the opposite direction. And Mm -hmm. I will say, I feel like was talking through people in quarantine, like my own quarantine experience. Like, I don't think this is like really uncommon. Like I think in general, like COVID was such an uncertain time. And I myself felt like I had control of nothing. Like I was working from home in my parents' kitchen. Like I had an apartment in Manhattan, like waiting for me sitting empty, but like, I wasn't going to live there because, you know, the city was shut down Yeah, and none of my friends were there. So I, you know, controlled the things I could try to control. And like, for me, you know, it didn't manifest in terms of like food, but I don't think this is that uncommon. Like what I do want to dig into is like, I know you mentioned like people started talking, like at what point and like how many months through were you kind of like, well, one, do you think other people realize that like, this might not be a positive, this might be an issue. Mm -hmm. And two, when did you actually look in the mirror and say, whoa, like, yeah. My goal is to be the best soccer player I can be. And like, all of a sudden I'm not reaching that goal because of what I'm doing. Like what, what were those two things like? And what was that timeline like in terms of, um, you know, I guess like throughout COVID? Yeah. I mean, I really like that you brought up the word control because I think that was what was going through my brain. The only thing I had control over was my food intake and what I was burning. I like that there were numbers. I like that I could literally see everything align. And it was almost like I was addicted to having that control. Like I was like, I can basically, once I started seeing the scale go down and I started seeing actual changes, I was like, this isn't that hard. I have my day set up by the minute that I could keep this up for as long as I want to. And I did just that. take a quick break and we'll be back with Nicolette in a second. I'd like to take a moment to talk about Morgan's Message, without whom this podcast would not be possible. Morgan's Message is a nonprofit founded in 2020 to honor Morgan Rogers. Through amplifying stories, resources, and expertise to confront student-athlete mental health, we are building a community by and for athletes and providing a platform for advocacy. Morgan's message strives to eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health within the student-athlete community and equalize the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics. To help us take a shot at mental health, to support our mission, or to find out more, head to morgansmessage.org or follow along on Instagram at morgansmessage. With that, let's get back to Nicolette. I did it so much and I dug myself so deep that I started overlooking it. I, once I started 
started hearing a few people that I really care about and trust tell me that, "Mm, I don't know if this is great. Like you looked great. You looked healthy. You looked muscular a few months ago, but now it's too much. You don't need to lose any more weight. And I started getting confused because now I'm getting people who I really care about and I love like almost begging me to take a step back and really look at what you're doing. Cause I think this is going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. And that kind of hit me. Like I wasn't expecting that because all I was taking in, I was hearing both sides. I was only taking in, Oh, you look great. What are you doing? You look so skinny and toned and all this stuff. And I was letting it feed. I was feeding the obsession with being in control by what those people were saying to me. And then there was one day where I got a call from an older coach of mine who wasn't my coach anymore, but he had called me and I respected him a ton. He was one of my favorite coaches I've ever had. And um, he was my coach throughout the whole recruiting process. So like I said earlier, that was my ideal self. I was the best player I have been at that time and he had called me and he just started a regular conversation, but then he started to get a little quiet and I could kind of sense that he was trying to bring up something that he didn't really know how to go about. And then he kind of just went out and said it. And he was like, I saw a picture of you on your club team's Instagram and you just look unhealthy unhealthy is something wrong is everything okay I just feel like I need to help you I need to make this call and he was begging me to open up and trust that it's okay to have this conversation and I just kind of all these emotions and tears like kind of just came out and I just bawled on the phone to him I don't know what's going on I didn't know this was bad and that was very much so the turning point for me because he had no like reason to, he didn't owe me anything. He just knew that this was someone that he cared about a player of his that he's seen develop. And then I took a turn for the worse and he wanted to help me and thank God he did. And I'm so thankful that he did because it really was a turning point for me. I mean, my parents begged me, pleaded with me, like, this is not okay. You need to change things. And they did everything they could. But when it comes from a parent, and I know this is frustrating to some parents, and I understand why it would be, but someone that loves you so, so much and is in your house and is with you every second of every day, especially during COVID and quarantine and all that, it's kind of hard to accept what they're saying as like true, which I know sounds horrible. And I trust me, my parents are right nine out of 10 times and they were right then. I just was so caught up and I was so hyper-focused on this one thing that I could not listen to what they were saying and take it in and really make a change. It took someone from the outside to call me and like really express worry and I heard it in his voice and it was just different than it was coming from people who were really really close to me because I thought oh they're just overreacting I'm nothing's wrong nothing's different 
of course, you'll notice a different thing. We're all different. We're in quarantine. And I kind of blamed it on that a lot. But I became sad, irritable. I wouldn't want to do anything. I was miserable. And now thinking back, like, I hate that I brought that in my house with my sister, with my parents. It makes me feel like there was so much time that wasn't me. And they, again, like I said, like begged and pleaded with me, but it just took that emotion in the phone and that call that really made me realize like, okay, we really have to change something. Yeah. And I don't think, well, one, thank you for sharing that. I think that like what you said, I have definitely witnessed firsthand is like when like people who are really close sometimes, like they don't, they don't like, you don't listen to them or people like don't listen to them. Right. Like they're like, Oh, they're overreacting or, Oh, they're like worrying about like, you know, just whatever. But I think when like, there's a third party who's hasn't seen you in a while or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever reaches out and is kind of like, Hey, like, how did they know? Really? Like, so this is real because this person noticed it. How is that possible? Yeah. When my parents and my and like my boyfriend who was around all the time would be like, is everything okay? Like what's wrong and try to pry it out of me. Cause another thing with me is I would never tell anyone. I didn't speak about this. I didn't think it was a problem. I didn't think I had a bad relationship with food. I didn't think there was like a disorder there. And I hate saying that word because I'm very much like, I want everything to be okay. And I don't like talking about things that are bothering me in the moment, but I will be the first one to talk to you about your problems very much like that for some reason now I realize that it takes talking to someone and it takes opening up to be able to truly fix it and I was giving 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 so much to people around me wanting to hear what they're going through and sitting down and really giving them the best advice I had for them meanwhile people I loved around me wanted to do that for me and I was just not letting it happen because I could not accept that something was wrong And then in that, I was pushing people away and I didn't realize it in the moment, but I was really distancing myself from everyone that I loved. And I didn't realize how much of an impact something like food that we all eat every day, multiple times a day, that my relationship with that could completely change me as a human being, like completely. Yeah, I think. It's really interesting because I think that is like what when people are struggling with their mental health and like I, I know I'm not like a doctor, but like disordered eating, you know, falls under, under that for me when I think about it, I don't think you really realize, like, I almost feel like you're in your own, you're seeing things through like a tinted glass. Like, you know, people are like, oh, rose colored glasses. Like, I feel like it's like a different kind of tint. And you're not seeing like the reality of the situation. Or if you are, you're like, well, like I'm doing this for my end goal. So it's important. And like, yeah, like people might not get it, but they will understand or whatever it may be. And it is really hard when you're like in the eye of the hurricane, when you're at the center of it to kind of see what everyone else is seeing and see that perspective, like what kind of advice would you give anyone who's listening who might be going through something similar to what you went through in terms of like 
how how to better I don't know if like listens the right word but like if people and loved ones close to them are coming to them saying like hey we're concerned like what's like a piece of advice you wish you could even give yourself even if it's not as like oh I wish you would have listened to them like you know but like maybe like something yeah no I understand it's basically I remember so vividly people trying to just have a conversation and just say like is everything okay and I'd be like what are you talking about get so defensive everything's fine why are you asking me that I'm okay I'm not upset and I would get so angry because I was like why do people think that I want to talk about something am I showing it on my face are people starting to realize that I'm not so happy right now at this time in my life and it was almost like scary that I was coming off as like, oh, I don't have it all figured out altogether. And I would give someone who's listening to this that is struggling with anything right now and is having people that they love try to help them. I would really suggest that you just let one person in. It doesn't need to be a million. It doesn't need to be this public explanation of what you've been going through and make it known to the whole world but choose one person it could be a complete stranger if you want to dm me on instagram go right ahead i can be your stranger i can be your blueprint i have no problem doing that that's why i started my instagram page and just tell them what what's going on in your brain and i know it might be a lot And I think phone calls are better for things like this. Just spit out a million words. Take their, they want to give you time, take their time. And sometimes just talking out loud, maybe even to no one at first, talking out loud about what's going on and letting yourself feel what's wrong and admitting that something is not perfect will just take a weight off your shoulders. And I remember like getting off the phone with my coach that day and not going right to my parents, but like sitting in my room and just sobbing because, wow, someone figured it out. And it's not someone that I'm with every day. It's not someone in my house. It's someone from the outside and I'm doing a bad job of covering it up. So what do I want to do? Do I want to continue digging it deep or do I want to just make a change and get back to who I was? Because people that have known me before, during, and after, I swear, feel like I'm a completely different person in all three. And that to me is, I wish I didn't waste so much time. And I know I did. And sometimes it like really upsets me, but then I'm also thankful because now I have just this other outlook on everything really. And I can be that person that needs help right now that's listening or maybe you know someone that should be listening. I want to be able to help them. I want to be what I needed during that time. That didn't make me feel like I'm admitting to something being wrong, but I needed an outlet of some sort. And I want to be that for you. So if you need that, I'm here. And if you're not comfortable reaching out to me, then just go hug someone you love. And if you feel the need to cry, then cry. The amount of times that I think letting it all out has helped me is 
not spoken about enough. I think we kind of take it for granted that we're allowed to feel emotions and have a little bit of a, not a breakdown, but have a moment. I'll say a moment, not a breakdown. You're allowed to do it and I encourage it. And every day, one day at a time, decide to make a change today and go about it in whatever way you feel comfortable. Yeah, I think something you said kind of stood out to me um like wasted time like I would say I don't know like in that moment what you thought you were controlling like you weren't controlling like you're you're you as a person were like out of control and I always think back to like when I was going through like some like at my worst with my depression And I look back and I like tend to get upset still because I'm like, ugh, like I, and I don't even think like based on other people's recollections, like I think when I look back, I remember it completely different than other people. Like Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I was so mean or I said this and my friends are like, cat, like you were just really sad. Like they were like, yeah, you were like sometimes complaining but like not even like they're like we were worse about whatever and but Mm -hmm. I look back and I remember it as like me being so not who I wanted to be and so not who I thought I was yeah and reminding myself and I think like you know you reminding yourself to like have compassion because I it's hard right like no one tells you when you're growing up like at least for me I was never told like this is what depression is this is what anxiety is this is what disordered eating looks like. This is what you should do when you, if like you see these flags come up, yeah. like no one for me was there to teach me these ropes so that I could get ahead of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's like when you're playing a sport and you're getting prepped for a game, like, you know, the plays, you know, exactly like what the best girl on the team is going to do. Like, you know, all these things ahead of time and you come in prepared when it comes to mental health, what I found and it's definitely getting better and like still has a ways to go. But growing up, it's like, I never had a playbook. Like there was never mm-hmm. anything that was like, these are the flags. This is this like for depression. I think it was like, we went over it in health class, but it always felt so dramatic. Like I was yeah. like, oh my God, like, yeah. And obviously like something's going on, like, you know, in those videos you watched, but it wasn't like the, the things that I actually went through and looking back were clearly red flags. Um, so I think that's another thing is like having compassion with yourself when you're looking back on when you are going through these hard times. But I think what you're doing now is awesome and it is very impactful. Um, what I kind of want to talk about too is the comment um, comments you're getting about like, and I had, I had a little bit of, um, something like this happened to me where I I lost some weight after I had a hip surgery and, you know, people were like, oh my God, you look amazing. Like you're so tiny. Mm. Um, what are you doing? How did you lose all the weight? Yada, yada. And like, they're almost to a certain extent, like one, I don't really think of them as compliments anymore Two, I'm kind of like, when I comment on my friends I always just am like you look amazing you look beautiful you're radiating I try to avoid like commenting directly on like what their body looks like because I don't think it's necessary like every 
I think even men, even if they don't want to admit it, like everyone has some sort of insecurity about their body. Of course. And, but I want to touch on like how you as someone who has experienced like that cycle of, I don't know if I should be doing this. Like maybe I am kind of getting out of control and then people being like, wow, you look amazing. And that feeding of like, let's continue doing this because we're getting the validation and we're getting the like applause of doing it. How are you like, I guess, are you educating your teammates at all on like that impact it had and how you can kind of avoid it as like a female athlete, as a student athlete? And like, what, what are some things that you can give the audience for like, I guess, you know, I don't know if giving compliments is the right way, but instead of, you know, commenting on like, you're so skinny now, like what things like they can say to compliment others without commenting necessarily on the, their body. I think that's a great question. And I think we kind of don't focus on it because as females, I think on Instagram, it's always like, if a girl posts a bikini picture, oh my God, you look so skinny. You look so good. Like something like that. And it's all with good intention. So I don't want people to think, oh my God, did I say the wrong thing to this person? And I don't want you to walk on eggshells when you're commenting on your best friend's post. But I do think we can be a little bit more conscious about what we're saying and maybe say it in different ways. I strictly comment, like you were saying, like beautiful, you look so happy, gorgeous, stuff like that. And it's like more broad. But when I was in the middle of all of it and I was getting comments about being one of my closest friends and we talk about this now he had said to me oh like you're so skinny now though in the middle of a conversation and I was like in during that time was like I'm so skinny now so I wasn't skinny then so I have to keep this up and I went home and kind of thought about it and he probably said it in conversation just like not thinking anything of it and most people wouldn't And I don't blame him at all. And I don't blame you if you've said that to anyone ever. And I'm sure we all have. I'm sure I have. But when I heard that and I heard other things and I saw the way it affected me and now being away from it, I know to be more conscious of how I try to lift people up. And I know we're all trying to lift people up saying those nice things that we think are, you know, the right thing to say, but I look at it now and I've never wanted to be called strong more than I do now. I think it's, it was, it had a different connotation in my head when I was going through all those different things. Strong meant bulky, meant big, meant way more. So during that, when I wanted to weigh as little as I could be as tiny as I could be, just so I can sprint all around the field it didn't do me any good because I got to this high level where I need to be strong, where that helps me excel. And in any sport, being strong is going to help you more than being frail and malnourished. And we're so confused because as athletes, we're looking on Instagram and seeing these these individuals that say that they're influencers of some kind with no type of education on what to tell how to tell you what to eat and then we're following it because they posted a cute video 
about their day in life and what they eat. And I would follow some of those videos to a T. And I just know that there's girls out there that do that now and see the comments of these girls and how they look and people are praising them. They want to look like them. But if we all ate and worked out the same exact way, our bodies would still look different. Like we don't understand that because in school, we're not told that. We're just told you should eat healthy, eat fruits and veggies, had a little plate with colors on it in our cafeterias for years, but we weren't taught how to actually find out what works for us. And then we're brainwashed by social media. Now we have to tell people they look beautiful, even if we sometimes don't believe it and comment these random things. And then we have to post in hopes that people will tell us we look great. And it's just, it's completely, it's brainwashing and it's upsetting that that's where we find value, but we all need to kind of step back and look at these pictures. Why do we need to hear anybody else tell us we look a certain type of way? But I know that's how we are. That's how we are as a society. So my advice for you, if you're commenting on your friend's picture, I say, keep it broad, make it about them as a person, not about them on the beach in that post. You know, we could separate it. Yeah. I, yeah, I think like influencers, I mean, even myself, like I, I fell into the cycle of comparison this spring and I ended up like deleting my Instagram thinking it was like not actually deleted, but I permanently deleted it. But because I was almost like comparing myself to either people I went to college with or high school with who were vacationing or traveling to influencers who weren't even necessarily like I was like oh like I want to eat like them I don't look like them but rather I was like oh I love their clothes or I love this or I love the fact that they can go and like get the mm-hmm. nicest sushi like I yeah. was you know stuck in this comparison game and it's very cliche and everyone says it but Instagram is truly like a highlight reel and you never know mm-hmm what's actually going on behind the scenes and like taking a step back. And I think being grateful for what you do have is like the first step in like remedying like that comparison game that we can get into, but also knowing that like, like yeah, shifting the mindset. And I also think like from the eating body perspective of, um, (laughs) of like, influencers not everyone looks the same right like not every body is the same you could be doing exactly what someone who you know gets paid to post bikini photos mm-hmm. is doing to a t but like you're five five your body type is athletic they're five mm-hmm. nine like i think it's like very dis- destructive to young females even young males i think too at this point um, just like young humans seeing everything yeah. like that and like growing up comparing. And I think that's another layer of, you know, the mental health, um, aspect that we're also dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, but not to get on a, on a tangent, I know we're kind of running close to time. I would love for you to talk about what you do now with, um, Nikki fit 22 and kind of like, your your plans I guess for the future if that makes sense yes I'd love to talk about it so Nikki Fit 22 is an Instagram account that I created like I said earlier I wanted it to be what I didn't have when I was scrolling aimlessly 
throughout social media and thought I have to follow what these girls look like. Um, this account isn't for likes, follows, anything like that. It really truly is. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart, a place for someone to go to really start figuring out how to help themselves, maybe how to help others and have someone that will, without any judgment, listen to you and try to respond in the best I can. And I want to be like a big sister or a best friend that someone can just let it all out to. And I've had people do it and I've really, it, it's given me a different type of like confidence and happiness truly, because I'm seeing people that were like me. So like, oh, just at a loss of what to do. Didn't know who to talk to. Didn't know what to say. Didn't know how to go about it. Didn't know how to break cycles I was in and helping them work their way towards, you know, changing the mindset. That's really where it starts. And that's where the account really stemmed from. Seeing that happen is really, truly just amazing. And I really hope I can help as many people that want to be helped because you really do need to want to make a change. And as soon as you say that you want to, and you make that commitment to really do it, I promise you, you can, it is so possible. And it may be daunting, maybe scary to kind of change shift the way you think about things. But once you get it down and once you see the good that can come out of it, it's really just so amazing to see yourself grow and to see the changes that you can really make for the better for yourself and just really enjoy little moments more and stop wasting the time and really take advantage of everything you have in front of you. So that's really what Nikki Fit 22 is about. 22 comes from my number here at Manhattan and I really love it. I love just posting random little posts that I hope makes at least one person smile every day, but I'm hoping to start a podcast soon. It is in the works. Um, so this was really amazing getting to be on here. And I have been listening to this podcast for as since I became an ambassador. I love it. You're doing an amazing job with it. And I just hope I can come close to the mental mashup and get people on it that want to, you know, share their story and kind of be like you. I want to learn as much as I can from you, but that's what Nikki Fit is about. I hope you guys can go check it out if you want. I'm always there for you if you need and don't mind answering any questions, listening to you vent, whatever you need. I hope I can do that for you. Yeah, I think it's, well, one, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm very honored to be able to host Mental Matchup and talk to, you know, as many people as I can, you included. Um, I think that what you're doing is awesome in terms of just, you know, another another place for someone to find a story that they might be able to relate to and know that like there is hope and there is a path forward and you know they don't have to continue this cycle. They can write like see like recognize the flags that they're not necessarily identifying in themselves in your story. And you know, I always say like with the mental matchup with Morgan's message, like I truly just want to help someone else's Morgan. Like if I can yeah. just help one person, then that's all like there is kind of to it for me is like, you know, who, who can we help today? 
right? Yeah. Like who stumbles upon our page. Um, and so I think just you providing a platform for that in and of itself is going to be a huge impact on so many more people than you will ever know. So thank you for for all you do. And thank you for coming on and chatting. Um, thank you. I'm so happy right now. I'm going to be beaming. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I really am truly so happy to be able to have done this, but you're amazing. I really do love this podcast so much. And if you're only listening to this episode, please go listen to some more because they are great. I promise. Another huge shout out to Nicolette for coming on the mental matchup. I am so beyond grateful um, that, you know, she she came on, shared so much about her own story and about how to support others around her and kind of talk about, you know, what she's doing now with um, her own her own platform and social media. If you want to follow Nicolette or get in touch, you can find her at Nikki Fit. 22 on Instagram. Another huge thank you to Morgan's Message for presenting this podcast. We would not be here without them. If you want to get in touch with Morgan's Message, you can find us at morgansmessage.org online or at Morgan's Message on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and even LinkedIn. Um, And lastly, if you want to get in touch with a mental matchup, share a story, um, reach out, come on the podcast, please, please, please send an email to submission at morgansmessage.org. And with that, we will see you next episode. Thanks for listening.